It's my third time filming this intro because I really don't know how to lead into an uh, interview, but welcome back everyone. This is Talking in Zigzags with your host, Ryan Henry. That is me, if you could not tell. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for listening to the first episode. Um, To the 40 listeners, thank you for your great response. (laughs) Um, I would make a joke saying that it was on my mom, but my mom has yet to figure out Spotify. So it's not my mom. So I actually have people listening. So suck it, dad. <laughs> but yeah, today I have a great first interview. Alex Bowman, she's fantastic. She's not only a friend, but a coworker, a partner, um, inspiring creative, and honestly, one of the best people to have as my first interview. And I'm so excited. It was such a fun interview. We, I literally thought it was going to be like a 30-minute interview. I thought I was really nervous that it was going to be really awkward, but... It's, I had, like, it was an hour 30 and I cut it down. So it's going to be really fun. Stay tuned. Grab a snack. Grab a drink. Go for a walk. Do something fun. Pay attention. (laughs) And enjoy this interview. No, I don't like how that came out. A Talking in Zigzags exclusive. Yes, I like that. Talking in Zigzags exclusive with Alex Bowman. Interviewed by Ryan Henry. Me. Um, thank you so much for listening. Keep listening. Have fun. And I'll talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. I am here with my first ever interview for Talking in Zigzags with Alex Bowman. Alex is the founder, president, and host of Georgetown's political satire show, The Hilltop Show, as well as a political cartoonist for the Daily Planet, The Lincoln Project, and is also the youngest member of the Associate of American Editorial Cartoonists. That was a handful. And I am one just so honored to have such a wise soul with me as my first interview for this show. 20 years old, give me a break. (laughs) Alex, how are you today? I am great. The sun is shining. I, we had a massive storm this morning. It looked like the tornadoes were about to come blow our house away in the midst of the pandemic, but it's a gorgeous day. I'm very excited to to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to be your first. I don't know how you I'm know so, that. I, I, <laughs> I am so excited. This is awesome. So Alex, currently, we're doing an internship together. That's how I met her. And then I stalked her social media as any millennial or Gen Z. I don't even know what I am at this point. Um, and I was just so fascinated by your everything you got a show going you got crazy sense of humor and I just it's just so interesting to see someone your age take a hold of the world by storm you literally have like oh my goodness you're giving me a lot of credit (laughs) (laughs) like what was so give us a little background about yourself before we dive into all this jazz Sure thing. So um, I've been told that if I mention I'm a Georgetown student, it will hurt me professionally. Not the Georgetown part, but the student part. So I left that out of my Twitter bio, but I got to mention it here first. So I am a rising junior at Georgetown, double majoring in English and art, and yet it's going okay. I founded a political comedy group at Georgetown. It's essentially an attempted blending of uh, Last Week Tonight, SNL, the Seth Meyers monologue thing. And believe me, like our creative process and format is evolving day by day. It's taken a year to 
like iron out the kinks. Frankly, like 70% of the battle has just been convincing people to show up and like do work. Um, so it's, frankly, it's been the hardest and most rewarding project I've ever embarked on. And I'm really excited to tell you uh, all the stories involved. <laughs> I'm so excited. So first off, Georgetown, uh, Villanova kid. So I'm just gonna take the time to just say, I'm bragging about my Villanova team right now for basketball. <laughs> I have to take that audible moment as a Villanova student to brag about my basketball team. But you guys are like good at it, right? And we're like, fine. We're I think, I think, honestly, I feel like if I say anything too much, like the Villanova Wildcat will jump through a window, like the Kool-Aid man and like smash my head open with the back of basketball. <laughs> we were just talking yesterday on the uh, within the Hilltop Show leadership team about doing a BTS like K-pop segment, and my friend was like, first of all, that will get us the most engagement we've ever gotten. But if we say make one wrong step, like even if it's not a criticism, if we say something that is like ninety nine percent accurate by accident, we will have people barging down, tearing down our doors uh, to try to. Get it's like those <laughs> followings. If you say one thing wrong. They will storm at you like the French Revolution coming at you. <laughs> well, for some reason, guillotining tends to be trending on Twitter a lot lately, you know so what? whatever. With the pandemic, you never know what's going to happen next day. <laughs> no, no, we do not. <laughs> um, so you're a junior, right? Yeah, rising, or I'm not rising, it's school year started. Junior, just junior. Awesome. So what made you, so like... When did this idea pop into your head? Like, did you come into, like, was there a set group at Georgetown, like a comedy group, and then you just had an off-brand? Or was this, like, wake up in the middle of the night, I have this idea, I'm going to pursue this? Actually, uh, that's a great way to phrase the question, because I had the idea in the middle of church once. <laughs> I, I had nothing related to do with the service, but just standing there, I thought, okay, I need to be concentrating on the sermon. Uh, but, oh my gosh late last week tonight for Georgetown. And then I like put that aside, paid attention to the rest of the sermon. Then after church in the car, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to start this today. Unfortunately, I had that idea in the middle of final season. So, <laughs> so I you know made the Facebook post. I think at the time it was called the Georgetown University Political Comedy Association. Cause like Georgetown has a big comedy group, but it's improv. And they're like the Georgetown University Improv Association. And so like within three days, I put out an interest form on Facebook and said, if you're interested in joining, essentially, Stephen Colbert slash John Oliver for Georgetown, come to our little meeting. And of course, we couldn't like rent out spaces yet because we wouldn't exist. So I was like, come and just sit in the student union near the blue chairs. And then I brought my like John Oliver Funko Pop and set it on the table. Oh. <laughs> and this is, this is our land. We claimed this land. So God called, like, it was kind of like Moses' Sermon on the Mound. God <laughs> called to you and it was like, yeah, actually, show. Like, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, God was calling me to do this that is what it is god Thank wants me to do comedy <laughs> <laughs> wow so did, did you have a big following or was it like rallying the troops sort of way there were like thinking back to that day i believe there were about 10 to 15 people showed up for that first couch meeting and i haven't thought about this meeting in month in like a year uh but yeah about 10 15 people only like two of them ended up applying from that meeting and then the rest were just people who found the google form on facebook and applied uh but yeah and it was very scrappy like there were huge leadership changes from the beginning uh we've learned over time especially during quarantine i want to talk about the effect of quarantine on creativity in a minute but uh the amount of thinking about how to boost engagement and how to use our niche for the 
most in, biggest impact that we can has been the biggest fight we've had so far. And to be honest with you, actually this past Monday, we sat down with the director of Last Week Tonight. We just DM'd him on Twitter. We're like, we, you know, you're one of our heroes. We'd love to talk with you about your process. He responds within like 20 minutes and says, I would love to, give me a Zoom link. So we sat down, he gave us two hours of his time, you know, that's amazing, so kind, cool. Wait. amazing kind guy and uh essentially i came away with that with a whole bunch of revelations but one of the biggest one is i was worried from the beginning that the show would just be uh last week tonight light or late night light uh that we would just be a mere imitation of something else that we would be of course this is a training ground we're never going to be seth Ma obviously we're not ever going to be at that level we're a college comedy group but we want to occupy a niche that isn't yet occupied in the late night slash entertainment landscape. And I've been thinking about this for a while, but our talk with Chris Werner confirmed it. We are going forward, like Monday forward, we're going to try to use the show to communicate the perspective of young people in this crazy time. Because like, I don't know about you, but I mentally and politically like woke up about two years ago. And to wake yes. up during this time, I'm 20, so, you know, yeah. to wake up during this time has been crazy. And my parents keep saying, like, this isn't normal, but of course, for the rest of our lives, like, this level of political vitriol is going to feel like normal. And so I, I almost feel like a responsibility to humanity in 3,000 years to, like, log what we were thinking during this Exactly. Time. Especially, like, one, waking up politically is a big moment in anyone's lives, but waking up politically in 2018, 20, 2016 to 2020, I would just say is probably like the coming of age of the modern day. Mm -hmm. And it's so, I, like I was talking about my parents, with my parents this summer and they're like, when did you get so political? And <laughs> like, you always want to talk politics. And, but this is the world we live in right now. Talk about cats at dinner, Ryan. Like Ryan, <laughs> like can you at least compliment the spaghetti sauce for once in your life? Like, but the fascinating and, thing, yeah. it's just so like so many conversations and so many aspects of our life are dominated by the social atmosphere, the political atmosphere, and the media is doing, it has to do its job. And the media is also shifting from the very strict talk shows and economy and like the, da -da 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 -da, the numbers on the screen. And mm -hmm. I think satire and in the way that you guys format it is what our generation needs right now oh, to get, oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's high praise. And you know, Chris Werner didn't say you are what, are what the world needs, which is what you've said, which is well in my mind. But he said the perspective of young people is what the world needs. So we're going to aspire to achieve that goal well. Yeah, I like even just like the formatting of having it like on YouTube and like, I know you guys, I like followed your Instagram and like, it's a great tool to access the college demographic, especially now. I forgot to ask, are you home for the semester? I am, yes. Wow. I live so like 30, 40 minutes from DC. So, and I'm also like TAing a class. So I, I've told, I'm, I've, I've been told I might have to drive in once or twice, but uh, yeah. I'm, I have asthma. So I'm going to try not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no I feel you. High risk. <laughs> like high risk right now, high risk college kids. I'm, I'm a diabetic too. So I feel you. Oh. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to die every time I walk out of my room, but it's fine. I'm thriving. <laughs> But you're thriving. You know, you're vibing just, and thriving. If I die, I die. I'm they already have my money, so what else can I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I don't know. I'll be honest. Like the part of that existential dread, which you know, a- any other year be like you're being dramatic, but I, I legitimately feel a responsibility to use this time to the great. I don't know. Use this time to be as productive as possible because I don't want exactly. to get COVID in three months and say, "Wow, with all that time, I really could have put out four more videos." Like, yeah, <laughs> which of course is a recipe in the short term for like not mental health. <laughs> <laughs> I know I agree with you. Like, I, I just like I'm the person that I need work <laughs> to like thrive. Like, yeah. if I don't have work, I'm like. I'm going to combust, like something wrong is going to happen. And I'm used to like having a schedule from 5 a.m. in the morning to 11 a.m. at night. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have that. So that's where this stuff comes in. And like, this is why like gaining a political voice right now is so important for some people because what else should we be thinking about? Mm -hmm. Especially with the election coming up, I think that we need to start thinking more and more Mm-hmm. and drawing attention to certain topics and mm-hmm. just it fascinates me like I um well that's I, like the one benefit of Trump getting elected right well I, I have yes. this we'll never know the alternative but I have this theory that if Hillary were elected we would absolutely not have seen the uprising in youth civic engagement that we have yeah. seen <laughs> I think just like having I feel like yeah, the Trump being elected engaged, started the conversation between the generations and it made us finally realize the differences that every single generation has. Like when Obama was president, I also was what, 14, 15 at the time? Yeah. Like I didn't really have a political voice, but now that I'm maturing, my sister who is 14 has a political voice as well. And I Conway, of course, she's an extreme example. She's she's from Jersey. I I she is amazing. Claudia called Claud, I can't say her the name. Poor child. My goodness. Oh, she is honestly. I give her so much credit. I wish I could like take her out for like a cupcake or something just to like talk with her. But I see her TikToks are always on like her spam account and like her real account, and she's mm-hmm. saying stuff that. I feel like our representative should be saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. My well, God. If, if it took, and I, again, I'm not technically allowed to talk about the Lincoln Project, but, you know, if, if it took a, a kid her age to do what she did on Twitter to, like, fix this country, I, I don't know. I had a theory that Kellyanne quit, like, what, the Saturday before her speech? I had, like, a 60% chance theory that she was going to, like, come out and unleash heck on Trump. That was my theory. Oh, I, I was so fascinated when I remember I saw um, Claudia posted a video and it was a screen cap of like the green screen effect and she just like rolls into the frame and it's like her shock. She had no clue. She found out through, I just hit the mic, <laughs> she found out through Twitter. Her own mother didn't even tell her. I feel like, I feel like I know my dad's business plan before he even walks out the door. <laughs> Well, you have to ask, like, what does their family dynamic look like? Well, first of all, we probably shouldn't be asking that's their business. Yes. But you have to wonder, conjecturally, what it looks like. Like, do they all live in, do they all live and work in the same living space? Like, are they all in the living room together? I, I want to believe it's that SNL sketch, and it's, it is as entertaining and ultimately benign as that SNL sketch, which it definitely isn't. But again, I should stop conjecturing about my, my old boss. <laughs> <laughs> wait, your old, wait. No, George, George Conway. George Conway. George Conway. Oh. Not, not really. 
Oh, okay. Lincoln, the Lincoln Project. Yes. Yes, true. No, 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 not killing, not Killian. No. Not Killian Conway. No, 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 no. I'm gonna get like, I, I am never I'm sorry, like. I like I gave you a heart attack. I'm sorry. I was like, oh my god, I'm like, someone's gonna jump through my window right now. <laughs> I have sicked the um the caravan on you. Yes. <laughs> so, talking about like your work with the Lincoln Project and all that. Which you're I'm not in, allowed to do, but which not, but <laughs> like the Daily Planet and all this stuff, and even you, obviously this is a podcast, people. You can't see what is sitting behind Alex oh. in her drawings. Oh. I love. I always have loved political cartoons in the newspaper. I grew. I literally oh. still read hand paper newspapers. I pick them up around campus. I look like an old lady with my black coffee and my newspaper, but. I well, it's a New Yorker aesthetic. It's like what it's, every middle-aged man in a New Yorker cartoon is doing. And I love I, that aesthetic. I'm I so am glad. a middle-aged man in a 21-year-old body. Mood! <laughs> <laughs> Massive mood. I just can't wait till, this is sounds, I'm going to cherish my youth, obviously. Yeah. But I can't wait till I'm 50. <laughs> so, I can't wait, you know, that's, ex- and that's one thing with the Hilltop Show thing, like, we want to be real, we want to be real boys, like, I'm excited to not have to caveat it, oh, and, and I'm a student. <laughs> Someone <laughs> take me wanna, seriously. <laughs> right, and I don't want to get, you know, accidental, deep unleashing of feelings here, but I'm really excited for that. You're exactly right, I really yeah. am excited for that day in 30 years. Yes, <laughs> we'll reconvene then, hopefully. <laughs> we'll reconvene. But I'll anyway. Teleport. I'll probably get to teleport to your house. Oh, yeah. It'll be so exciting, but make sure to wear your mask. (laughs) Who knows if we're gonna be better by then. (laughs) Bring my AK-40 zombie gun, right? Oh, I love that. A housewarming gift, if you will. Right. Um, so these cartoons, do you, were you just a natural, natural doodler when you were a kid? Oh, I love talking about this. Thank you. This is like, uh, state all seven of your origin stories time. So I have loved drawing, like, cartoon characters since birth. Like, my mom just pulled up a drawing from, like, age four. I was, okay, I was obsessed with Cogsworth as a kid. I was the only girl at Beauty and the Beast on Broadway dressed as the clock and not Belle. I love that. There are photos. <laughs> I, ref- I have not found the motivation within me to find them, but they do exist. If you do, I will use them as the screen cap for this episode. <laughs> I'm little thing of grape juice in front of the mezzanine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the I, I my mom dug up a drawing with like I drew our I drew stick figures and wrote our family of me, my brother, my mom, and my dad. And with our family is Cogsworth and Lumiere. But all of that is a way of saying I have loved drawing cartoon characters from a very early age. Uh, and uh, for all, years and years, like I would just sit in like restaurant waiting areas and use the time. Like, I, I don't know, I guess I've had this neurotic thing for a while where I'm just, I hate wasting time. I always feel a need to like use time to create something, to have something to show for existence, if you will. Again, tying back to the, the quarantine thing. Yes. Uh, so I was so excited to find out from my parents about the concept of political cartooning because it's using this genre, this medium of cartooning for kind of a tangible, meaningful, impactful political purpose. Like one ongoing thing I had gotten internally and from family for a while was like, okay, everyone draws Disney characters. Everyone else, on, everyone else, you read into that on DeviantArt, draws Disney characters. Don't look it up. Don't look up Alexander <laughs> Bowman art on DeviantArt. Don't do it. Uh, 
and so um, the idea that I could use that, uh, like the drawing of cartoon cats to make comments on capitalism was awesome. It was liber. I didn't have to feel like I was wasting time anymore. Yeah. By draw using cartoons and the Disney character drawing quote unquote skills to to make a living, quote unquote, again, heavy air quotes everywhere. So did they like, did your cartoons mature, you think, as you, especially right now, like in the last four years or so since you've been in college, mm -hmm. you, have, have you seen a change in your cartoons? Well, the first one, well, I was a news writer on the Georgetown newspaper first, uh, and they, one day their cartoonist couldn't come or couldn't do it. So I, and I was there and I was always doodling and they're like, Hey, can you do it? And some guy had written a column about jungle politics, like uh, some sort of extended metaphor about how Jair Bolsonaro was like a jaguar in the world, in the community of world leaders. I was like, Psh, awesome. DeviantArt furry drawing skills to the rescue. And I drew Jair Bolsonaro as like a jaguar leaning over a table going women are inferior and like four other terrible things and then trump is this like fluffy garfield type character leaning straight <laughs> his tie going that's my boy and oh. so unfortunately like I, I think i have gotten better at analyzing what a good premise for a cartoon is over time and i i um I got to talk with like Cal Calliger the other day. He and I ran a web series this this summer. Um, so we've been doing, he's been a huge mentor for me. So I love Cal, so grateful for Cal. Uh, but he said, I hope that over the last few months, uh, you've been able to see that you've gotten better at telling when a joke is good and telling when a joke is bad. Like you're able to, to hone ideas more effectively. And I thought, yeah, I can see that. And I was, you're right. Looking back at old cartoons, it's like, yeah, that was a good idea, but that could have been made a little bit more biting. Like, yeah. Because one of the goals of cartoons is to make people go, oh no. <laughs> right? <laughs> that right there. Like, oh, that's cute. cute. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> wow yeah no so that's yeah and that's the thing is if you draw too many if you make the fat cat capitalist cat in a cartoon too cute you defeat the purpose so you <laughs> yes cats gotta have a little bite you know right exactly <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah okay this is kind cat, of that noise Excuse insert cat noise here ryan <laughs> yeah <laughs> go cats go cats <laughs> Oh, and I'm the dog. We're the dogs. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I, I'm so, I love bulldogs. Side note, I have a bulldog, so. Oh, cute. <laughs> yes. cute. I'm a big bulldog person, but good. Well, good. it's always, I also love Georgetown. Like, when we play there, I'm like, this is gorgeous. <laughs> I love D. Oh, that's also a thing I wanted to mention. I love that I have no structure, but that's the point of the show. <laughs> Well, so, no, and that's the thing with with planning interviews. Like you, you make a list of thirty questions to make yourself feel better, and then you just let it happen. Yes, and that's like the like so the like the point of the show is I have no sense of structure in my life. It looks clean behind me right now, but don't look under my bed because it looks like a hurricane. <laughs> um, but okay. I just I just like have I th I feel like if you can relate as a writer literally just like creative being mm. it's a mess up there all the time <laughs> oh I, by the way, and you can't see it but i actually i'll just show you so you have an idea like this is my idea wall where it looks like i'm trying to solve a murder at all times but i put up little like whenever i'm in a meeting i take notes and then stick the index card on the wall <laughs> slamming them just like... that is what's in my brain but <laughs> up on my wall yeah exactly so yeah. you can relate oh, but yeah. as i was saying um so 
I just, at the moment, I, I don't think we ever had, like, a proper introduction on, like, the Zoom call. Like, I think I went to the meeting before, and you went to the meeting after, and then we met, like, at the third one. And the second, the second you opened your mouth, I was like, this girl needs to be on the news. You have a news person voice. Were you, did, did you have to, like, craft that? Did you, or was, were you, did you just pop out of your mother's womb, like, like, I am so fascinated because you just sound professional. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're too kind. Well, I mean, how personal do I want to make this? Uh, <laughs> so I do, I do a lot of, my dad can attest to this, he's probably listening. Um, I, uh, I do a lot of singing alone in my room, and uh, I have to go up and down to get all of the notes in Cats. So, I, yeah, that's probably, <laughs> a, like, way too much vocal exercising going on. Just singing, like, memory, like, 15 times a day. <laughs> No, like that. That's not a joke. Yes. <laughs> are you are you a theater kid, if I may ask? I wanted to be a theater kid. I picked one elective uh, in high school, so I did orchestra. Uh, but oh. I would, unfortunately, the the time when I start to want to be a theater kid, I physically cannot be a theater kid. I don't know how theater kids are functioning right now, but I would love to do that when the world returns to quote unquote normal. As a theater, I'm a theater kid. Oh, how are so, you doing? You know what? Um, it's, you know what? It's, like, not that bad. We do, I've been doing, like, a lot of experimental work through Zoom, which is really cool. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm calm in theater. So, like, try, literally unemployment right now. But, <laughs> um, it's fun. I, like, with me, like, I never wanted a nine-to-five job. And I feel like you can relate with that as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, The Office, yeah. right? Like the second you watch The Office, you're like, I can't I was, do that. Like, <laughs> Please don't. Like, I, I need my Lexus anxiety. Yes, but I just naturally I love problem solving and I love creativity. And honestly, thank God, not thank God for Corona, but I'm kind of grateful for quarantine because it pushed my limits in. Mm -hmm a creative sense mm -hmm. and I was gonna ask you with that how has your show been doing since now you guys this is like month six or seven since you've been in quarantine and you guys are still doing the show right now we are and I'd like to say right away that from I I told the team yeah we're gonna go right you know it's it's March 20th now and let's do this we're gonna make it we're gonna do this no breaks and that let's just say I, I think it took us until like late April early May to put out something and, uh, okay, do you want me to tell the Breitbart story now or wait? I was going to ask about that. I watched, I literally was, I, because you mentioned that in the group chat and then I did, I watched the video. I'm like, oh my God. You know what? Let's get into the controversy. I want someone to at me and destroy us. Let's go. Let me hear it. Fantastic. And I forgot what the, uh, th the framing device for this was, but hopefully we'll come back to it. Yes. The idea, okay, so we used on campus, the Hilltop Show used to meet in a glorified broom closet within a dorm. Uh, it was like the McCarthy Library within McCarthy Hall, the residence hall, and we there were like a bunch of books on that wall, and we one day decided to pick, we noticed, actually her name was Cheyenne, who might be, get to hear this, uh, she noticed on one of the book covers there was a Native American like young girl with blood on her clothes, and we picked up, we went through the rest, and we realized that like almost all of these books were like race porn. <laughs> Wow, no. <laughs> like, like, wow. Which, which is like racially charged pornography. Yeah. Like, women on the cover, it's like, horrible. Like, 
terrible stuff. And so we sent an email to the university and we're like, did you know these were here? So let me be clear. We did not ask them to get rid of them. We, we were just not notified them. Engaged. We, we, we like would try to be journalistic while, without being journalists in the style of our Lord and Savior, John. Uh, <laughs> John Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, will, he will come back in this story. Oh. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> um, yeah, but so we sent an email to the university. We sent a couple emails to some student groups. And then eight hours after we sent an email, uh, every book in that library was gone. And we, uh, so we did a sketch the same day the books were removed, uh, where one of the guys on our team pretended to be a mafia boss and like ad-libbed a, because we kept 36 of the books that you probably saw. Yeah, we, yeah. Kept, we kept 36 of them thinking this might happen. We, we actually went through each book. Uh, and and found the 36 worst of them and we cataloged why they were the worst i, I can share that spreadsheet with you i would um, love to see that has an entire page where it's all like racial slurs you know okay um yeah. and so the the we published a sketch and, and a report uh with the georgetown review and other campus publication then the georgetown the hoya which i had to leave because they had this rule you can't be on multiple media publications also we wanted to criticize them so i had to leave and, <laughs> And it's only fair to them. Yeah. Uh, and so they reported on it. Then this this conservative campus publication called uh, the College Fix reported on it. And then Breitbart found out from the College Fix. And so mm -hmm. they um, the article itself was full of like mis exaggerations and untruths. Nothing as bad as what the comments were though. Like in this article, they called us a crack research team, which of course is what went in our Twitter Twitter bio instantly, right? Oh, um, you gotta market that like how. <laughs> I heard that I heard much later that apparently crack team is a good thing and they were being sarcastic. I thought it meant we were on crack. You know what? Interpretation is a main part of media, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I choose to believe it wasn't sarcastic just for ease of us explaining it to people. Exactly. 39,000 people called us like Nazi book burner or snowflake Nazis. Oh, we love that. We lo no, and legitimate. Like I was never bothered at any point. Like the first moment was like, oh my gosh, Breitbart. But after that, other than the initial shock, it was all just, oh my goodness, this is fantastic. Do you yeah, it's, it's, especially in journalism and in the show that you made that stuff is gold i know well that is exact i was like we've run this for seven months and we've already had a last week tonight type moment yeah this is what was it the oil company or something with john oliver oh i mean he's had hundreds oh yeah <laughs> i remember the pomegranate one that one killed me but this is like we've sent you a fridge of our product and you enjoy <laughs> but one this is like also this shouldn't be a controversial topic. No, you shouldn't. And that's the problem is that Breitbart reported the issues so badly that people, they worded it like the, the, the yeah. model, like if, if the email we had sent demanded the book's removal, Breitbart frankly might've had a case, but they, we did not do that. We specifically just asked if they knew they were there because it was weird and there is nothing wrong with that. Um, and that's how they reported it. They, they didn't report it like that. They reported it they reported it wrong. <laughs> and, and so, of course, like their entire readership or the readership that re read the article interpreted it in the way they reported it. And so, frankly, it was a fantastic lesson in the tribalism of our country and the inability of people to 
stick to the facts and reporting and the consequences of that. Um, so I, for, a, for a moment, I was like, well, actually, and Eric Trump was set to come to campus like the week after this happened. And I told, I, I was like friends with the guy in charge of that event. And I was like, hey, I have a question. Can I submit it in advance where we talk about this? Like, what do you think about this Breitbart situation given it relates to Georgetown? And they're like, yeah, totally send it. And then they forgot to ask forgot I don't know I don't know forget but <laughs> I, I'm very sad because that was going to be a, 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 probably frankly I'm glad it didn't happen because that was going to spiral out of control real fast oh my. I that's I am just so fascinated so wait did you ever receive a statement after you sent the email to the university mm-hmm. saying um, like oh my god like what the <laughs> hell like we'll get that down immediately we um so we sent an email early uh, asking some like factual questions like we didn't bring we actually frankly it was a series of emails um, and the first one was like hey where did these books come from like we didn't say in the first email that they were what they were we just says hey we're just interested in the books where'd you get them and they're like they were donated by an alum in 2003 uh, they were free. They've been there for a while. Uh, people can donate. They can leave books they no longer want on the shelves. And we're like, that's great. And then like an email or two later, uh, we said, oh, yeah, I, we were also noticed this was racial pornography. <laughs> the book, sir. <laughs> right. And we, we emailed a few, like we emailed the Women's Center. We emailed um, the the Native American students um, organization. We emailed a couple people. Um, and we, we did hear some information off the record about what actually happened to those books. I just heard from a, a professor friend. And because it was off, I, did I say on the record? I meant off the record. Did I say? Yes, I think you said off the record. I think I said off the record. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> so I, I know what happened and who commanded the taking away of the books, but I, I can't say who. Yeah. The, the, well, I can tell you this went up real high at, at the university. <laughs> the decision to, in an Orwellian sort of way, take the books off the shelf. Well, what do you think the craziest part of this entire story was? Well, by far, and that it was does not a planted question at all, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the by far, well, um, the week. Okay, so I have applied for like last week tonight tickets every like every Tuesday at two p.m. for a year. I had. I hope I used the right tense of the verb. It was had, uh, and I got an email like the Saturday before what would ultimately become the last in-person taping uh, in a coffee shop right outside Georgetown, Saxby's, uh, that I had gotten off the wait list and I had a day to go to New York to get myself into New York. I'm like, well, I, I can't turn this down. This is what I've wanted for years. So I, I booked a, a bus and I got uh, lodging with a friend's rich grandma. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I and so I bust myself up there and um, I wrote a question in advance in my little journal. I was the first person in line and I got in there and, and in the Q&A, I raised my hand and I asked him, I told him the Breitbart story in three sentences. And I said, what is your advice for us as satirists going up against media giants? And he said that the key is to completely do your research beforehand and to feel morally comfortable with what you're doing. Because with that sort of research and assurance within yourself comes a wave of like liberation and freedom and confidence that will come through in your work. You'll be able to be a lot yeah, exactly. Just, you, you will be able to go forth and conquer in your work. Uh, so, so he said, that's the key, is to believe in what you're doing, both factually and morally. And he said, like, F them. 
<laughs> he did it in front of the crowd. He like went off. He went off. And then at the end of the show, uh, he did the show. He turned to everyone and said, "I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening." And then turned to me and said, "Keep getting in trouble." Which of course is my Discord handle everywhere now. Yeah, it's gotta be. You gotta get that tattooed on you somehow. Yeah, no, it's actually. Um, that's I think every creative, from journalism to directing to music, mm-hmm. needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. No, so. it's it's phenomenal advice. Like it's not just a. Yeah, the, the, I had a lot of, you know, when you have a big life moment and it like the next oh, morning you wake up and like sit in kind of like the Elmo Hello Darkness meme and you sit there and <laughs> you think <laughs> like seven or eight epiphanies that you, this experience helped you yeah. realize, it, it, that was what that was. Yeah, so it's like- I, I remember I sat like in a Starbucks near the rich lady's house <laughs> and, and it was like texting four friends at once with, and here's what I've learned. First of all, like this guy, worked this hard and arrived there therefore anything is possible for that day to happen for the bright bar thing to happen and for me to get off the wait list the only reason i got off the wait list by the way was because i was one of the only people stupid enough to risk my life during a pandemic this was like this was march 8th was that show (laughs) (laughs) that's why that happened um the idea that that whole thing happened is insane and frankly like it, 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 it furthered and confirmed my Christian faith. Like, there's no way that that... Once again, God <laughs> called to you and said, Alex, this is the career for you. I will validate you. Yeah, and then I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, the Atlantic Ocean went. I think it's one, just a testament to your work and, like, your show's work and how your research is actually making change. Even if it's from oh. books taking off, getting taken off the shelf or actual like uprisings of our use <laughs> well, i think it's not the goal and i guess one of the things that bothered me most about the fact these books were there was that like deans were living in that residence hall like it was part of a quad and they had like little children living there and they would run around the lobbies all the time and the books the the library was very close to like where these kids lived like they used these kids used to put up their play pens and yeah. kids don't put up play pens like their, their toys all around the, the lobby and they probably and they like picked up a book easily, or two Easily, easily. And again, like half of these books or a lot of them had like completely full frontal things on them. So I, I, that was frankly, if there was an argument for the books being removed completely, that is a pretty convincing one. But we didn't. I, yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah. I, when I was a kid, we had book, like I was, a, I, I love reading mm-hmm. and I would organize book clubs. If I, I took a book off a shelf and that was like, <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! Um, <laughs> I know. And trust me, like, George, this is the perfect school to found something like this. There are problems and things to report on, both, like, administration-wise and student body-wise, like, left and right. <laughs> I think because you guys are in the center of D.C., that probably, mm-hmm. like, you just naturally have that mm-hmm. progressive, can-do attitude. And also, you guys are, like, a feed-in program for, like, comedy legends. <laughs> Which I am envious. Let's, say, let's wait to use the, the verb to be, like are, you definitely are, until one of us has actually made it. <laughs> I, but I just, I, I really want, like, I wish, I don't know if there's more shows, I gotta look into it, but I think your show is the future of satirical television for our demographic, because I, like, I don't know if you would, like, do you, like, is your dream to host a late night talk show? Yes. <laughs> I, 
I can read that energy off you yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, a book. <laughs> but well, I, is, I, I I've thought about, obviously I've thought about what I want to do for a career a lot, Ryan. I've thought about a lot, that a lot, and that makes me special. <laughs> but but I, well, I've, I've always wanted to use the arts and entertainment to have a tangible like social impact. And like one thing I love, like, yeah, the John Oliver thing is fangirly, it is, but it's also like, I love the mission, using entertainment to make f tangible change in the world for young people. Uh, and that's a niche that needs to have more people filling it. So that's one thing I'd like to do. Like and also on the list is like direct Disney movies because the cultural power of Disney is insane. That's one of the reasons I love Zootopia so much. Like that was a fact. I love Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like I remember like the line where it, the big protest scene where of course the audience is going, oh boy. Uh, like there, there's a line do you support a mandatory quarantine on predators? Now, the, the word quarantine was in a different now. But in 2016, that word, oh my gosh, I remember looking over to my mom and, whoa, they did that. And that, that was a, a big, um, this is going to dictate what I want to do with my life moment was that seeing Zootopia in the theater at age 16 in November, in March 2016. <laughs> I think entertainment has, even if we don't notice it, it has that, subliminal effect like of either political change or social change or just maturity because mm -hmm. these things make up our childhood like I grew up on SNL like that mm -hmm. was naturally and that was my humor like slapstick I was like the kid falling down the stairs but that made me who I was and, and that's, that's why you are what you are <laughs> that's and that's why I'm here today I think especially Disney mm -hmm. they have even the songs types of characters and I, they're doing a great job, I think, in my opinion, to be more progressive with their work. And I can see, like, Zootopia being one. They, they, there's a lot of messages that could correlate today. And oh, yeah. entertainment as well. Kids shows are doing a great job. Late night television, I think, is our, a lot of people's main source of current news. Totally. There was actually an uh, Obama went on the Colbert Report in... 2015 2016-ish. Uh, I should know the timeline a little bit better. Uh, but it, he went, there was a line when he, Obama was like the replacement host, like, like reading Stephen's lines. Yeah. And the lines was, young people don't watch CNN. They watch comedy shows. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, Obama. You got, yeah, that's right. He, he's, not, he's not wrong. I, yeah. like, even like with social media, I do it a bunch. I share a lot of like Colbert statements Fun fact, I, my professor went to the college with him. I didn't know that until the other day. So, <laughs> Steven or Heidi, if you're listening to this, hi. <laughs> anyway, um, but I just, I think social media is doing a great job with the entertainment industry. And I, I just love, I think with even college kids now that you, like your entire school is home. The only way other than owl and pen to communicate is primarily through your phone or social media wouldn't it be nice to get to talk to peers without having to open a screen exactly <laughs> i it's so weird because i have so i'm at school i'm at villanova for the time being mm -hmm. and um half my classes are in person but i'm wearing a mask obviously mm -hmm. and half my classes are on zoom and i miss just messing around that, that sounds terrible uh <laughs> i maybe it was the first thing that came to mind it was honest <laughs> you know what you know what 
I'm 21. I, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 20. <laughs> yes, we are allowed to do that. But I just miss, I just miss like that tomfoolery, being in the classroom. College is not, especially for comm, college mm. is not professional. It mm. is. But I miss kind of the like joking around in the classroom and making friends. I'm making friends, but I'm also not recognizing them when I'm walking around campus. Mm. And that's why I feel bad all the time with these well, kids. Well, and exactly. And that's one thing. Like, I have a lot of friends who are fr- freshmen, frankly, because we started recruiting the show to freshmen. And then, of course, we're a little family. But one, they've had to communicate and meet all their friends via group meets. Yes. And the, these group meets are so often like really aggressive like they have really pointed political conversations and sometimes people say like an off word and th- things just go awry and you can't and get I'm, rid of that it's on there yeah They'll right pull exactly. it up in like three days and they're like you're an idiot <laughs> like straight up right and well like i have a lot of friends who are entering the georgetown social scene for the first time and they are terrified of the way that they come across in these very high octane group chats and i don't blame them but i feel terrible because that's not real life that's not how you should be getting acclimated to a new social scene is via group chat that's yeah. not that's not right and i feel bad for those people i really i feel terrible for like the freshmen doing or like I don't know if you've heard of it, because, like, Georgetown, Villanova, very close, but mm-hmm. there, <laughs> we have portable chairs. That's what they gave us in our wellness kit, is a portable chair. To do what with? To sit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that the original plan before they said it was all virtual was to give every Georgetown common room four tents and each student would get in a tent and like yell at each other through the tent mesh and that was their plan. (laughs) I love, I love the ideas the American college system makes. I love it's it. Stupid. It's stupid, but it's cute, and they really tried. Like, they that's try cute. their best. <laughs> For a multi-billion dollar industry, they are geniuses. There are PhDs. An American can-do spirit. But we, you know, the can-do spirit, just sit down a little bit in your portable chair, buddy. Just, <laughs> just tone it down. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Pull up a tent. Yeah, uh, it feels like something General Custer would do if you were running a university. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, best Night of the Museum movie, the second one. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I actually, I've been like having a, I was, <laughs> I just don't know why I was like, I haven't seen a Ben Stiller movie in a while. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch that tonight. <laughs> Meet the parents with the cats. Yes. Great stuff. Great stuff. We yeah. This is I know. I watched Scott Pilgrim. Um, what's the movie? Scott Pilgrim. Last night, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I was yeah. blanking. I, I love that movie. <laughs> I just have to say that. I just have to say that. I haven't seen it, and I should. <gasps> I'm like, I like Jason Bateman quite a bit. You like it? He, he voiced like he voiced the fox. So you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> I. This is actually a movie podcast now. Everyone, go watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> Changing it up. Um, Did they pay you for this? Oh, no, the NCAA <laughs> will shoot me. You're going to have to check the uses paid promotion box when you upload this now. I'm sorry. Oh, the NCAA will shoot me before I check that box. 
they will come up. I will be about to click it. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of football players, softball players, and a bunch of like, I don't even know, rustlers. We don't even have that at my school. Will come over and swarm me before I really make any money off my name, image, or likeness. <laughs> you know, speaking of civic engagement with the show, I am really hoping that all of this work that a the the organization that shall not be named and the sh and the show and a lot of us on twitter and social media are doing i have a lot of uh, hope that that work is not put to waste and i hope that kids turn out 18 yes. 18 year olds to 35 year olds i hope they turn out because the 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 effects of this election are going to be felt by us for generations and that's not an exaggeration Gang. We, we gotta vote. Please vote. Yes. And, uh, one, one, um, I was talking with the, somebody the other day, and the, the, when you vote for Biden, you are voting for a man and Kamala. Like, yeah, you, yes, you're voting for a person, but you're also voting for a package deal. And in that, you're, he's like the figurehead for a Democratic group that is going on, that would be entering the White House. And yes, of course, that group probably won't be as progressive as some progressives want. But please, please, gang, don't use, this is like the, this is my one thing I want to say to the audience. Like, please don't say that just because he's not Bernie Sanders, you won't vote for him. Because no, thank, you not, for, thank you for saying <laughs> that. not a contest, gang. Like, uh, like, lesser of two evils. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this isn't, this is not, what was it? David Ar Archuleta and... <laughs> This is not David Archuleta on American Idol in 2006. No. This is important. Yes. <laughs> and I, it bothers me. I was, I, I actually, I can say this because this is politics. Like Trump and, versus Rick Santorum. Or exactly. Like Trump versus uh, Alex Jones. I don't know who's worse of those two. Um, <laughs> it, it is Trump versus a maybe not progressive, progressive, but a well-meaning liberal candidate. Yes. Please, vote for the platform that is closest to your set of beliefs, and that's the way to go. Don't just not vote because you disagree. Please don't do that. <laughs> I like, especially with college kids, I've heard it, there's a lot of them saying, like, I don't want to go through the pain of voting in this election, especially with an absentee ballot. I don't care. <laughs> I, I know you don't care. But I don't, I don't care. I don't. You like literally, it's one form online, it gets sent to you, and you send it back. Right. What are you gonna do? Go take a couple steps. You've been cooped up in your dorm room for 10 days on a Zoom call. This is your activity. Go get some vitamin D and send in right. your absentee ballot. I swear to you, it is harder to, you know, think of and send a tweet than it will be to cast yes. a ballot in this election that will determine the course of the next few generations. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh darn. Like, I, and, I, I understand the ethical choice that some people are having. I understand that can be hard. But if you zoom out, if you think about it holistically, it's not really a choice between the two. What I mean is they're not comparable. The two options are not comparable. And one option will prevent the further destruction of our institutions from the inside. And uh, the other will do that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's my message to the viewers is please vote. Yes. Please vote. Gosh, please vote. And a reminder, if you need an absentee ballot, October 23rd, I believe is the date. October 20-something is the day that you have to send it in for it to count. So please make sure you're voting in this November election. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, Alex, thank you so much for being my first guest. I think you were the perfect person and the person I needed 
would be my first guest <laughs> oh, just to set the tone for the rest of my shows. And I would love to have you back once oh. all this quarantine. <laughs> Thank you. I'd love to be back. I mean, um, I'll have to tell you more about the Chris Werner thing because that was like yes. a moment. It's weird to have these these huge life moments when you're in your room. Like you haven't left your house. It's weird to have, it's weird. Like we're, we're going through the ups and downs of life without leaving the same space. It, yep. It's a weird existence. We're having our coming of age moving movie through Zoom. This is our correct. coming of age movie. Correct, correct. And my FBI agent is loving it. <laughs> Well, well that's the thing, and I hope that someday in 30, 40 years, we can make a sitcom about, oh. first of all, like running a college comedy troupe, because fr- there is so much to, to tell. Yes. But also, I hope that they make a, I hope we're going to have it like a season where we're in quarantine, because there's... <laughs> so the kids yelling at the camera. <laughs> Well, frankly, it's great because it's like while someone is making a proposal, I can pr- in Zoom, I can private message the vice president, and be like, "What do you think of this?" That's all, <laughs> that well, perks. No, no more like side eyeing the underneath the desk right. text messages. <laughs> exactly. Um, I Alex, please plug your. I don't have your ads right here, but can you pl- plug your show? Plug you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, ma'am. You don't have to ask me twice. Uh, my, <laughs> my Instagram is at Alexandra Bowman Art. My Twitter is at scripta underscore bene, which is written well in Latin. Um, I was I was a twelve year I was one of those twelve year olds. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and the Hilltop Show is at Hilltop Show everywhere. So awesome! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go check out her stuff. Go support her. She's amazing. Oh. Thank you so much for coming on, Alex. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. been a pleasure. Did you make it? Hi. Welcome back. I missed you. Oh, that's so cute. Um, that was fun. Um, I just listened to it again. I filmed, I filmed, actually filmed this episode before I filmed the first episode. So this is my first time ever filming for Talking Zigzags, and I had so much fun. It set the bar high. Alex, thank you. Um, love you. <laughs> Such a great person, Alex is. Um, make sure to go follow her. She's fantastic. She's a, not only an amazing person, an amazing creative, but she can draw. I think she just got noticed by Andrew Lloyd Webber for one of her, like, her catch drawings, which is actually crazy. It's actually crazy. And she is interviewing someone from last week tonight. She's doing a bunch of cool stuff with, with the Hilltop show. Shameless plug, I might be doing a segment with them. Who knows? Spice it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> I had so much fun with this episode it was absolutely fantastic just editing it it was enjoyable um <laughs> i feel like really awkward at the end for some reason because i don't know how to tie i just, that's one of the things i gotta work on with this show is figuring out the beginning is the ends because i'm doing like reflection so i gotta listen to the interview i don't know if that's gonna stay but we'll figure that out so to tie this all up this second episode um I made a Twitter and Instagram, and I would really appreciate if you follow it, um, at Talking in Zigzags for both of them. Um, there's, like, some dots. It will come up. There's no one else named Talking Zigzags, and if it, there is, leave. I claim it. I can't claim it because of the NCAA, but I claim it. <laughs> um, with that being said, next week's episode, um, you're going to have to be psychic to predict what's going to happen hint hint make sure to stay tuned thank you so much for listening to talking zigzags i'm your host ryan henry and i'll talk to you soon